Hello. Thank you guys so much for clicking on this podcast today. I'm very excited to have Frederick Regard from the Cardano Foundation. He's actually the CEO of the Cardano Foundation. Uh, and I actually got to shake his hand at the Wyoming Summit, so it's great to have him on for the second podcast to learn more about the Cardano Foundation. And uh, real quick, you know, what is this podcast? Well, a lot of new people have come into the Cardano community. I know I've said that the last five podcasts, but, you know, I really want to take the time and introduce, you know, who the Cardano Foundation is and talk about their role in this community. And, um, but to, to finish with the intro, how are you doing today, Frederick? And can you take time to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm doing amazingly well. It's been a very busy day, which I'm, you know, very grateful for. A lot of things happening in our community. Um, I've been uh, at the rudder of the Cardano Foundation now for about 13 months, and a lot have happened. I think the community has felt that as well, and the market has felt that as well. And uh, my job is basically to enable uh, the great people of the Cardano Foundation to really uh, excel in what they do, and also ensure that the community is tied in as much as possible. Uh, so we can create maximum impact. So how how is a community tied in? I'm just curious about that. Like, how do you keep the community tied in? So there's this notion about what is the community. And I think that's something we're always speaking a lot about, at least in the yeah. Kadana Foundation. Is the community the early ADA holders? Is the community the people who didn't get in on early on ADA, but still hold ADA? Is the community the people who just love the Kadana project, but are sitting in a in a position maybe in a bank or in a national bank and they're not allowed to own ADA due to compliance reasons. Is the community all the uh, implementation companies uh, from the big four to, to Accenture and all those IBMs who's looking at us right now because they really like the enterprise stack? Is the community our stake pool operators? Is the community the regulators, which we are working with every week here at the Cardano Foundation to de-risk the project and de-risk enterprises? And, and the truth is, is, is probably all of those that we have actually a lot of stakeholders. It's probably easier to say who is not the community. And, and who is not the community is obviously a, the people who's not really interested in blockchain and how blockchain actually can move the world. You might have heard this you know, amazing quote which says the future is already here. It's just not uh, evenly distributed. So it's a quote I really love because it's so true. We feel like the world should be more fair and more inclusive. And we think that blockchain allows us a future where populations that's been there's a historical left behind get a chance to leapfrog and join in to even the distribute tech and its promise. And we, we think Cardano is the best for that. So when you look at it with that lens, you can actually say if you are in an eight to four job and you are super just keen on your family and, you know, your, your spare time and, you know, let's say the vicinity around a mile around your house, uh, then you're probably not natively jumping into the Cardano community. But, uh, you know, everything beyond that, where you start interested in, you know, how do people interact and, you know, how can we, you know, get some more inclusiveness around tech and how can you build a world where we actually can agree on what the world's problems are? You actually start scratching the surface of what would be the future community of Cardano. Because this blockchain is really built for, you know, 2 billion, 3 billion people to create a better place on the spaceship uh, we call Earth. And there is a problem with that spaceship, and that is we can't leave I do know there's a couple of projects who's working us being able to leave the uh, the spaceship, <laughs> but up until this point, we haven't succeeded in that. So we're really trying to kind of from the bottom up, bring in an interoperable uh, technology stack, which allows everybody to uh, to build better lives and have a better way of interacting 
communicating, driving businesses and creating identities. Um, and I think that's a big difference compared to other blockchains. Because other blockchains, they're very purposely driven for very short-term reactions. So we see some blockchains are very much into venture capital. Some blockchains are very much into, you know, how do we create an early exit as, as fast as possible? How do we do uh, something around NFTs? How do we do um, DeFi, but only the aspect around DEXs and the aspect about yield farming? And, and we see Cardano much more as a, as a long-term project, as a project beyond the generations. And I think that is a different focus. And I feel the same into, way. And that's why I was curious on, on you, you know, how do you tie in with that community and also kind of, you know, give out that ethos? You know, we, we've been having the same conversation at my company as well as what is the community and, and where is it going? Right. Because we've seen it. And even in the time that you've been the CEO, I mean, it's completely shifted in just eight months. And because everything is so it feels exponential right now. Right. So it's like even in six months, we'll have a completely different community. So it's interesting to hear uh, your insights on that. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no problem at all. That's why we're having a podcast. I mean, I was going in on a long rail. You can see I'm quite passionate about it. It's one of yeah. those things I, I really care about. Also, because I, I very early came out with one of those statements saying, you know, if if you want to have a successful third generation blockchain, you really need to have, you know, um, you need to have a couple of things right. And the first thing is that you need to have, you know, what are, you know what we deemed as an on-chain government. That means that you have to have a very successful update system. And we've seen that lately with a couple of other chains who, who might not have, you know, grasped what this hard fork combinator really can bring. Then there needs to be a constant driven process. There needs to be some kind of representation of the blueprint. And the reason why the representation of the blueprint is so important is because um, in the world we're living in today, there is um, the blockchain or blockchains. There's quite a few of them. There could be permissionless and public or permissionless and private, and they can be private and permissionless and private permissioned, right? And then there's, you know, all these systems and, you know, even, you know, human interaction and, and machine to computer and computer to human interaction. And they need to be bridged somewhere. And therefore, um, uh, we've created this system called audit um, or and consumer protection and so forth. But to ensure that those two things come together, you actually need to understand that the code is not sufficient. You need to have a description of the code, of what the code does, and the architecture underlying that. And then you have to compare those two things to basically ensure that whoever is trying to protect the consumers or trying to protect the, the companies, that 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 is solid, right? That they can tick those boxes. And therefore, this uh, the blueprint is very important. And secondly, with Catalyst, which is this huge decentralized, um, you know, um, nearly like a venture capital arm of the Cardano blockchain, where the community already is taking action and is voting, it's very important that you know when we think about the growth of that, and we have maybe five or six different projects. But if they don't have a place where they can actually see how those projects will interact and connect to the blockchain. To, to some kind of descriptions or blueprint that won't really work. Then we can't paralyze at the same way. And then when we can't do the paralyzation of it, then we are basically, you know, behind the speed which we could get to. Um, anyway, meaningful participation and then some kind of universal, you know, aspect to this. And all of that has to be encompassed in a, in a governance system. And if you take that and then look at you know, let's say um, I've been very vocal about, I think that every, wherever you are in whatever country you are, if you want to build a business on Cardano, you need to buy ADA. 
because that's the utility token, that's the access barrier. Or if you already built a business, so you're a successful stake pool operator or you're, you're building an explorer or business model or decks and you want to go the other way and maybe, you know, uh, pay some salaries and so on, you need to be able to do that as well. So I think, you know, the, the success of the blockchain has some requirements um, and there is the connectivity issue which has some requirements. And, and bringing those things together is really where I see that the foundation um, has a big role. This is where we have to step up as a foundation and we need to take ownership of saying, if we have an existing world of seven, eight billion people who wants to connect to something as beautiful as the Cardano blockchain, how do we ensure that they can do that and really truly trust not just the blockchain, but also the connectivity to the blockchain? How reliable is this connectivity? How you know, bulletproof from an audit perspective or from a hacker perspective is this really? And if you really bring, say, life critical applications like uh, pharma life science or you know, the insulin vial uh, for counterfeit production down in Africa so, so the patient actually knows what he's injecting into the arm to save his life from diabetes too, right? That he actually you know, can trust the underlying data on that, right? So when it starts getting life and death, it's really important that, that the quality of this connectivity and the connectivity layer really holds. And then, of course, that the regulatory clarity, which is, you know, a whole different angle, but something we strive to do as well. Yeah. You you touched on the role there for a second. Um, you know, just to take a, a little step back, uh, what is the Cardano mm-hmm. Foundation for, for people that, you know, are new to the Cardano community? Yeah. So, um most people probably know the, the story about Cardano and I've seen the, the famous uh, whiteboard uh, video from Charles. And if you haven't, I would like to give a shout out. Yeah. I still, it's, it's quite old now, but it's still, it's still an amazing view. I still think probably that's my favorite video Charles ever did. Um, but basically, you know, uh, Charles is the, is, the, is the founding father and there was a couple of people closely around him who, who also helped a lot. And, and the idea by the first, um, you know, the first idea was, um, if we're going to take some steps back and solve the, the you know the problems around interoperability, sustainability, um, and scalability, which we have seen on both Bitcoin and Ethereum, we need to take a, a scientific, uh, formal verification approach, a very academic approach. That will take a longer time, a longer time to market, which I think a lot of people has been you know, suffering over. Um, uh, but it also means that. Um, it's a different culture. So when you create an academic company, which is full of academics and engineers and, and you know, shipping code and so on, that's, that's a, a culture in itself. And when you at the same time also want to have a company which is responsible for venture capital and, you know, uh, activation out there and education and so on, that's again a different culture. And when you then want to have a company, um, which is the foundation, we're supposed to, uh, in the future, when the first build of the product is ready, um, take over the custodianship of the protocol and work around the regulatory clarity and work around, you know, guiding the community, whoever they might be, uh, to take the right decisions on the long range to ensure that this becomes a principal technology you can build and sustain life forms on in the future. Uh, then you need a, a third culture. The three, fo- three companies was founded. Uh, with very distinct uh, roles and and, and cultures. And uh, we are then the last of those, so the the foundation. And then uh, over time, 
um, it has evolved, of course, as, as things do, and specifically in blockchain. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you are a little bit more, let's say, uh, forward-looking and aggressive, and sometimes you get yourself, you know, down a, a little bit of a corner slide where where people don't really see what they do. Uh, we've been there as the foundation as well. Um, but it's really our role, as I look at it, is to to de-risk. Um, this third-generation blockchain called Cardano for, uh, for regulators, Asian states, governments, but also the average Joe who is thinking, you know, what blockchain should I build a new life or should I put my identity on or should I, you know, really fight for? Um, it can't be so that, you know, you go on a blockchain and then suddenly it's, you know, it's, it's down or, or the, you go on a blockchain and suddenly it's forked in 15 different ways and the, the blockchain you build your business on and put all your savings on suddenly it's not supported anymore from the, mm-hmm. from the stake pool operators, right? And and that's where we come in. We're really the people yeah. who's probably going to be the last entity standing uh, before the, let's say, the full dispersion of of the system. Um, so first in, uh, last out, as a, as Elon Musk would say. Yeah, that's that's a good quote. Except, yeah. except for that uh, that tweet the other day. Um, but I'm curious, you know, when you, when you speak about de-risking Cardano, you know, I run a business on Cardano, and you know, I think about risk a lot. You know, I really do. And I feel like, you know, still what we do, uh, the risk has definitely decreased in the past year, but that risk is still there. Uh, you know, what are you guys doing right now? And what, you know, or do you plan on doing to de-risk Cardano for businesses and, and even just investors? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I have to say things take time. Blockchain is a total different animal than any other technology we've seen up to this point from a regulatory perspective, but also from a also from a operational resilience perspective. So when you take a technology and you ask a community of unidentified operators with a clear incentive, but still not a controlled incentive, to basically operate a, a mission critical infrastructure, you're changing the landscape. Because all other technology stacks we've been, you know, used to working on has been controlled by you know, centralized entity under very clear, you know, regulatory guidance and oversight. And, you know, you just know when the computer works and you have two backup computers and you understand that you own the hardware and, and you have a backup generator, you, you can get really far, right? But when you outsource all the operational usage and, and drive to, to unidentified businesses and individuals because of the security architecture, that changes the game. And the second part is, of course, the, the regulatory part. So uh, when I arrived in the Cardano Foundation, there was unfortunately only around um, two, maybe two IT people. And the rest were business people, marketing people and so on. And I think they were doing an amazing job. The reason why I'm saying unfortunately is because I would have loved that the Cardano Foundation would have been even bigger, but had a lot more IT in it. Because if you really need a deep understanding of these IT perspectives, to get the full effect out of what we're trying to achieve. Um, and uh, what we've on the first hand have done is we've really upscaled. So um, we have now a fairly large IT team and we are constantly looking for more IT people. And uh, we're even, I mean, I would like to get it to maybe 50, 50, or maybe even 60, 70, 30 huh? uh, on the IT side. 
because this integration layer is so important. So the first thing we've done is we're really starting to get our head around what does it mean to be a custodian? What does it mean if we're going to take over the blueprints? What does it mean um, in terms of you know also helping places like Catalyst and other places? And to do that, we need the, the IT understanding, but we also need to build some products to showcase what is actually possible. And I believe you're going to have some questions with uh, around uh, Veritree and the Kadana Forest and some other projects later, which we've been involved in. So we can come back to that later. So, uh, so first of all, more more architects in house who can uh, you know uh, understand what IoG is actually doing, help augment IoG, but also help uh, augment the community of first use cases. Uh, the second part uh, is very much of. It's nearly a little bit boring, right? But it's, it's so important for the people and the businesses. That's about bookkeeping, <laughs> accounting principles, uh, VAT, <laughs> uh, reporting. And um, we are forcing ourselves to eat our own blockchain in certain aspects. So we are, we're trying to do as much bookkeeping and trying to do as many transactions as possible on the blockchain, which forces us to be compliant with, first of all, the Swiss system, because we are incorporated in Switzerland. And then we are working with different let's say, uh, um, um, countries and different companies to get some more clarity around how is these cash flows actually running. Really get descriptions out there so, um, so the accountants out there really understand, you know, what is what and, and why. And we also work with the, uh, with the POSA and other organizations which is really working on also that clarity. And there we are not as far as I would like to, to be at this stage. And uh, the third point is, is regulatory and compliance. So, for instance, we've incorporated with the first forensic provider. And we would like to incorporate with many more forensic providers because that brings uh, clarity around if something goes wrong, that you can do a forensic investigation on the Cardano blockchain. We have um, been part of writing some of the regulatory require, uh, uh, descriptions of the Cardano blockchain in different languages, which has ensured uh, several countries has uh, whitelisted uh, the Cardano platform. Latest was uh, Japan. Um, and we I are... Yeah. Was that was and that just, um, right before the uh, the major exchange listing? It, it was whitelisted yes. because of you guys. That's awesome to hear. I appreciate that. Yeah, and um, what I'm really pushing very hard now is um, I think there's a lot of unclarity around stake pool operators. Uh, it's probably not our role, uh, and it is not our role to be in a, a law firm or anything like that. But I do think that we can create the the knowledge stack which a law firm can take and bring clarity to is a state pool operator the same as uh, as an asset manager? Uh, should a, a state pool operator, I mean, you just saw the, the infrastructure bill in the US is getting very close to, to a signature, right? And that's going to be devastating for, for the American ecosystem of, of innovators, entrepreneurs, and so on. Yeah, I think it actually passed uh, on Saturday, just two days ago. Or I guess that would be yeah, three or four days ago. For my, so it for passed my the house, yeah, the but it house. hasn't. Uh, it, it still needs a signature from uh, from the president. Mm. I, I'm not an American, but that's I believe that's how it works. I'm you know I'm I'm an op- yeah, no, I'm hopeful no, you're correct. Uh, you you were, you were actually <laughs> literally right. Uh, just in my mind, you know, the house was the last signature that was kind of yeah. holding it back, and then the the president has already said that he was going to. So you're you're correct there. I just uh, yeah. I thought it was already in the bag, you know, like because uh, for people that don't know the infrastructure bill. It requires stake pool operators and proof of work miners to register as brokers. And then when they register as brokers, they're required to report 
uh, all of the transactions of their users uh, relative to any swapping. And then any of those transactions, the users that are participating in those transactions, you have to also report uh, their name, uh, their address, their social security number, it said tax ID number, so EIN or, or social. Uh, and, and we just can't comply with that. You know, if we, if we could, you know, we would, we would love to comply with the government, but they're passing a law that uh, in its current standing is, is physically impossible for us. So SPOs in the United States are, are left with, you know, two options, either, you know, don't follow the law and, and risk, you know, uh, being fined or, or going to jail or, or leave your, your hometown, you know, so, so it is a big deal. And that is actually, you know, a question that I had for you guys is, is we do anything to support us SPOs and is that your role? You know, and you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, that you feel that it isn't your role, um, you know, so what, why do you feel that's not your role? And two, um, you know, when you guys, you, you state that, you know, regulation is a big focus, correct? So is that just writing essentially guidelines and, and, and educating uh, governments as far as what SPOs are? And then is that kind of how you want to, to deal with regulation? I'm sorry for giving you a mouthful there. No, it's a, it's a great question, and it's something we discuss a lot internally as well. So uh, for me personally, uh, the line goes um, exactly at this stage. So we should not sacrifice one single country for the good of the protocol. We should always be thinking about scalability. So if we would, let's say, go the full mile and act like a law firm and do legal opinions and, and you know, be like the lawyer of the stake pool uh, operators, um, we take too much liability compared to other countries. Um, so, we, you know, we could technically do that, but it would mean that we are sacrificing a lot of other countries because we would put the liability straight back to us. So I think... Um, it is our job to ensure that we have the sufficient documentation, that the politicians are, um, let's say, educated on that, that the big law firms, and for instance, the U.S., that they actually know what is the difference between a stake pool operator with, um, with us and with another uh, third-generation blockchain, and what is the difference between mining and so on. Because when you follow the debate, it was very clear that a few of, of the politicians, they actually knew exactly what it was all about, but the majority didn't majority just didn't care about an emerging industry with a lot of entrepreneurship uh, which is now going to be kind of you know shot in the foot and suddenly the u.s cannot be part of you know probably the most important technology which is uh, hammering out there right now so we're talking a lot about a lot of gdp a lot of jobs a lot of money and uh, you know a lot of opportunities for for not just for states and and so on but for the whole country right yeah. and um I think that's that makes me really sad because I think they're not doing it out of an evil will. They're just doing it out because they, it's really hard, actually, if you're new to Cardano or if you're new to, to blockchain, to go in and, and get that you know professional read, which actually very much clarifies, for instance, the money flow. So when I speak to a lot of regulators, I have this opinion that uh, if, if I own ADA and I'll be staking to your uh, stake pool, uh, that what actually happens is that I'll be sending money to you and you will be sending some kind of a yield back to me. Uh, but as you and I both know, who can read a bit of code uh, or at least the architecture part of it, uh, we know that's actually not what's happening. What's actually happening is uh, is I give you an IOU, which is a signal of trust. But the money is never in your control. 
nor is the money locked or blocked in any way with you. So they can actually, from a, from a regulatory perspective, in most countries, not be seen as being in your hands. So it's more like a, you know, a token of, of trust which we're sending. And then it's you know, basically registered on a public uh, ledger, which allows that we can do this bookkeeping. And then the rewards, which your stake pool might earn uh, based on um, several factors, right? Um, uh, you can then uh, you know, build a business model around that. And the reward who then comes back, if you choose to share it, is actually coming back from the protocol and not coming back from you. And, and this little subtle difference and now I explained it very binary and there's a, you know, we can put some more things to make it more complicated. Just having that diagram to show a regulator will change the regulator's view on is it asset management? Is this actually a broker? Uh, is this, you know, what is this really, right? Yeah. And the problem is that there's a lot of third generation blockchains out there and there's some big ones and they all do it a slightly different, but none of them are very illustrative and none of them has a user let's say experience which is meant for a regulator or meant for a politician and i would love that we in the next you know five years or whatever time frame that we get to a level that we have specific tools which is meant for, for, for the irs which is meant for the regulator which is meant for you know other bodies who happens to you know uh, <laughs> certain ways uh, be responsible for certain parts of our actions or at least you know have a view on what we do that they can actually look at the real facts with their lens and not just the facts from a you know a senior haskell developer's eyes yeah. um, and, and and that makes and sense that is, yeah sorry go ahead you know all of these different blockchains uh, the the word staking is used over and over again you know, and with Cardano, when you stake to somebody, all you're simply doing is with your staking keys, you're signing a transaction and submitting it to the blockchain. And that pool, you know, now processes not transactions for you, but they process your market percentage of transactions. So if you own 1% of the ADA and you stake it to my stake pool, then we process 1% of the transactions in the ecosystem. Where if you look at the Ethereum blockchain, staking over there is is giving up custody of your funds you know whether that be to a smart contract or if you use celsius or coinbase staking for them is actually giving them full control over your funds and then they use those funds and they loan them out to everyone else and and i think what you said it makes a lot of sense uh you know because regulators don't have a good guidance on staking you know, and, and that's really all that is there is, is, is staking providers, you know. So are those people holding people's funds? On Cardano, they're not, you know, but on Ethereum, they may be, or, you know, on any of these uh, institutional websites, uh, they are, you know. Mm. So that's uh, it's very insightful. I appreciate that. And another part which I'm very near and dear to my heart, and sorry for, for taking the mic here, right, but when we are on the topic of staking, um, decentralization and distribution, but also meaningful participation in the governance system is very dear to my heart. And um, what we really try as the Cardano Foundation is to have uh, some discussions with some of these new custodians who comes into the market. So we have now, uh, I believe, a little bit more than five banks. And we have a lot of exchanges, of course, both regulated and some of them more unregulated. And we are, we're really trying to uh, ensure that they have an infrastructure which allows them to uh, to pass through uh, the staking, meaning that um, 
if you choose to have an institutional custodian uh, f for your ADA, um, that you actually have the opportunity to stake to uh, whatever stake pool where you find has the best offering in terms of trust and in terms of impact. So at least it will not be a technical restrictions who hinders you. The next thing is that, uh, and that obviously also brings uh, decentralization into the network because we could easily imagine that some of the stake pool, uh, sorry, some of the uh, proof of stake blockchains out there, they're very simple, right? So the more uh, you, you know, the more trust you get, <laughs> the more blocks you can uh, reward you get. And that means the winner takes it all. So we're trying to ensure that there's some protocol parameters in here who limits that, but also some infrastructure who is limiting you from doing that. And when we see that, you know, certain exchanges is having, you know, a massive amount of, of, of let's say, um, um, stake pools, right? So stake pool 1 to 10 or 1 to 50 or whatever that is. We're trying to interact with them and trying to kind of see if, is that a business choice? Is it a compliance choice? Or is that, um, you know, why, why are they doing that? Because um, it's important for us that we get this decentralization. And even more important, that we can get to a place where if you own ADA, you can vote. You think that, you know, the participation, that you can actually vote in the direction of the ecosystem and you can cast your vote and you can, you know, if it's very complex that I might in the future be able to give my vote to you because you know something very specifically around the ecosystem and we can have some uh, liquid democracy or preferential voting or, or other yeah. means of voting which we can test on the blockchain before we roll it out to nation states to, to really change the systems so we get you know, a, a, basically a fairer world, right? Yes. This is a, not just it's an active, not even a playground because there's real money behind it and real systems and real lives behind it, but it's, it's happening right now. This is the largest revolution in governance we've seen since the Greek you know, basically invented democracy. Yeah, I was um, I was looking at a magazine cover this morning. It was the uh, Economists, and um, it had Joe Biden on the bottom, and um, I'm going to butcher the name, uh, but you know the the Chinese leader. And there were three logos on there, or four. It was Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. You know, and and you had uh, it, it just it really summed up, you know, this time and it was so profound because that's what this is, you know, it's a revolution. And while all of this is happening, you know, you have the pandemic and, um, you know, all of us right now feel it, you know, this, this is a, a change of the times, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's incredible, you know, and seeing that economist article shows that, you know, it's not, it's not just us, uh, that realize that. You know, it's not just a, a little echo chamber anymore. We're we're just yelling decentralization back at each other. You know, the the world is mm -hmm. is almost prepared for it. Um, I wanted to ask you what what is the Cardano Forest? Yeah, the Cardano Forest. Amazing question. So, one of the things I I said that many times today, huh? I truly believe that the Cardano Foundation should also be spearheading what's actually possible on the uh, Cardano stack today. So as you know, we, we, you know we, we, we threw Byron, which is the base layer, uh, the network infrastructure, the ADA reserves, initial functions, node wallet, and so on. And um, that was some time ago, but this year, so the last 12 months we've gone through Shelly. This was actually the build up the stake pool operators, the 3,400 stake pool operators. So the change from the federated network into you know, a distributed block production. And then we are also nearly through Gogan, 
Uh, we can, uh, you know, I think we still, in, in my personal opinion, we still needed Plutus application back and so forth. And that basically gives us metadata, multi-currency and smart contracts. This is really about this integrated custom applications. So we still need Basho and Voltaire. So what we really wanted to do with the Cardano Forest was a couple of different things. The first thing what we wanted to do was to show if we use advanced metadata on a token on the Cardano blockchain, how does that actually differentiate from um, a token issued, let's say, with the ESC20 standard? You know? And um, what we basically did was that we created a utility token where if you buy um, one token, you get one, uh, so that's one very tree token to be specific. That equals one ADA and that equals one tree, uh, a mangrove tree in, in Eastern Africa. And that trans, that Utility token has in the metadata really built in a lot of the regulatory clarity, which you normally would need to go to a centralized platform on. Even on blockchain, you would actually have to go to a centralized website and actually figure out what it is you bought. Huh? So there's a lot more data hidden there. And uh, a normal stock, which is traded, you know, shares, right? They actually have about 110 metadata populated points, which filled in before a bank would even touch it. And uh, when we think about blockchain transactions today and we think about security tokens and so forth, it's very rare that you see that there's this amount of metadata there. And this is one of the key unique value propositions of the Cardano blockchain. Our ability to have enterprise-grade metadata on-chain and off-chain and the combination of those. The second thing what we wanted to do was we wanted to show how powerful the community really is. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that there is a there's a um, there's a value gap between private blockchains and public permissionless blockchains. Because a blockchain like Cardano, we give away all the source code, all the academic research, everything is basically there for free. So to the level we are at, you can copy paste that and have exactly the same level of technology today. By giving all of that away, it's very hard to put a price on what is what is the Cardano ecosystem worth. What is, what is the protocol worth? And if you have a private blockchain, you protect all of that. It's patented, it's intellectual property right, and so forth. So the value proposition of Cardano is not the technology stack because everybody can get to that exact level straight away. But the value proposition is a combination of several factors. But the largest one is how many people trust Genesis key and what comes after that to build run and drive enterprise applications, digital ID and governance on that and trust that this is a part of a new generation which we call blockchain citizens who is ready to take over control of their lives and the societies which they live in to create a much more agnostic and um, you know, fair world really. That's the value. We have around 2 million people who wake up every morning and the first thing they say is Cardano. We wanted to see, okay, if we would offer an impact token together with Veritree um, without IOG or, or the foundation being the lead investor, could we get to, let's say, 200,000 trees, 300,000 trees, a million trees? And I haven't checked today, but I believe we are around 350,000 uh, trees, which I think is absolutely amazing. And that actually makes us, depending on which factors you're looking at, it's very hard to say. But it, it, it really reduces the carbon footprint of an already very green blockchain. And uh, I mean, 
you know you need a bit more statistics and scientific rigor yeah, I hadn't around thought that, of right? it that way uh just but, being completely but actually, net neutral we we planted all the trees and now we're good <laughs> yeah and more importantly than that also uh which i think is is important as well right but these trees are going to be mangrove trees which is planted in a in a in a, in a delta in africa where most of the fishermen has gone away and now with these mangrove trees, the, 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 the roots go out in the water and the, the fish come back, right? It means the fishermen can come back and they can actually start, you know, fishing and they can sell those fish. So it drives, you know, an, an economic cycle. It's a circle of life, really, for that area. And hopefully we would hope that when they then think about the Kadano forest standing there with, you know, as many trees as possible, please go in and check out the Very Tree Project. And I'll have a link for that down later, below. Yeah. Um, that they also start thinking about what about, you know, can I get my identity there? And what else can I do on that blockchain who created that Kadano forest? And last but not least, um, we wanted to show um, what does a, a, a blockchain-based supply chain look like? And when you think about all the, you know, from, from the part that you have a fiat or you have ADA to the part that a tree is planted, how can you actually downstream really show that we are even without smart contracts to you know large scale supply chain solutions on a blockchain um, and there's a lot about digital identity metadata and all those things which needs to actually add up and this has been one of those use cases which people have been crying around in blockchain for ages we've now done that totally without smart contracts and when we're now adding smart contracts to it it's going to be even more beautiful right yeah. So, so there was a couple of things we wanted to do about that, uh, which obviously has some sustainability to it, but also very technical driven uh, and very much around the beauty of the Kadano ecosystem. Yeah. And you even worked with community members, you know, to, to build out this project, you know, the creator of Stellar Hood. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just a Cardano Foundation effort. You know, you worked with existing NFT creators in the community, uh, which I, you know, I, oh, I, I yeah. think that I think that state pool operators as well. Yeah. Uh, we reached out to the stake pool operators as well, and there's there's a uh, this whole group of impact uh, stake pool operators and 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 net. I always get it wrong. And net, uh, you know, carbon net zero carbon funds and stuff like that. Yeah, I know it was actually a, you know I would like to say we probably initiated and and, and gave some power to it, but uh, this was really a community driven project. Yeah, and, that and, was, it, and it feels that way. And, you know, all of your goals uh, with this project, uh, I felt were accomplished. You know, I woke up one morning and, you know, it was when I got back from the summit and I finally heard about it. And, you know, my, my company, Bloom, we planted 5,000 trees using the Cardano blockchain in what, what, 20 seconds is the transaction, you know, time to finalize. That's, uh, it's very cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's amazing. I mean, I'm also a bit biased, right? Because I, yeah. I really like it, right? But me as but well. I, I like it, trees and I like Cardano. So yeah, yeah, but I think it shows a lot more. And I think, unfortunately, maybe one of the things we did a little bit wrong here is we really wanted to do this at the Cardano Summit. And there was 132 projects like this who was announced at the Cardano Summit, and uh, I think that was just too much, you know. I yeah. We, I mean, I missed this. It, it, I missed this for two weeks. I mean, it took me two weeks from getting back from the summit to then hear about this. And I, I essentially, because I was there in person and really talking to people more than paying attention, you know, I had to consume all of that after everyone else did, you know, yeah. which I thought, what thought you, do you, uh, do you actually own any NFTs yourself? I do actually. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the NFT community on Cardano has has been thriving, you know, and I think those two million people waking up every day, uh, you know, the NFTs have definitely been helping that. Which I'm very excited. Actually, to see. we also uh, we identified that there's a SIP out there, um, uh, so a Cardano improvement proposal, who is actually setting forward some ideas for some standards around NFTs. And uh, one of the things we're doing at the foundation right now is we're actually building an NFT backend because it can be quite hard to have interoperability for NFT platforms. So if you have a Cardano NFT and you want to you know, swap that from a platform to another platform and so forth, it's actually quite hard. And um, so what we're doing right now is we're building an API-driven backend, which will allow some standardization based on the community-driven um, SIP. Uh, to allow these platforms to basically hook into that and get the necessary standardization to have this swapping going on so the Cardano NFTs gets much more wide out into the Cardano ecosystem, but also can jump beyond that into some of the other uh, ecosystems where there is a bridge in between. So we think the first step is really this NFT API backend and uh, there's coming a few marketplaces here in the next, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months um, from, from community which is going to build on that already. So is that one of your main uh, you know, reasons for hiring you know, IT and trying to shoot for say 50% or 60% IT you know, at the Cardano Foundation? Uh, no, um, well, um, I have to be careful of my words here, right? Yeah. So if I had one ask right now to the community, it would be to, to really not only look at what would be really great for adoption tomorrow. Really look a little bit at what would be great for adoption in a year and two years and three years time. Um, and one of the reasons why we're hiring quite a lot of IT is so we are able to um, put the foundation's funds better at use or more at use, I would say, We're, we can be more active in that, spending some more money. But to do that, we also need to feel comfortable when we are spending money at uh, what is being built and what is you know being delivered uh, and even what we are asking people to build has the right standards and has the right functionality and features um, so we can basically you know ensure that we have a fiduciary responsibility for the money we hold right that we can ensure that we have the right scope for that but also that we can start building some open source products uh, which the community can take as reference clients and use in their business models so uh, we're really looking at non-commercial reference architecture which connects to the blockchain, which makes it a lot easier for companies who, who live uh, on the blockchain or build on the blockchain. So, so they don't have to do this, let's say, boring stuff, but can focus on adding real commercial value to their setup. And then we can focus on the infrastructure. And then as the ecosystem grows, uh, we hope that the community will then say, oh, so you support today, let's say, 100 plus exchanges. This would be, you know, amazing. I'm a system integrator. I would actually like to support them in the future, and I will then charge a bit for that. Or you build a, you know, um, a ledger sync, or you build an NFT API, and I can really use that in Argentina in the way we're going to do this business model. And then they have a reference architecture they can take, which they know has been solidly tested and has, you know, all the right Q&A release management and all those things. We see it a little bit as a, as a part of starting uh, snowball effects and maybe small avalanches on adoption on the blockchain. This is a community question. I think it's a really great one. 
what are the three things that you dream of running on Cardano, whether that be, you know, nation states, governments, partnerships, you know, just, or even, you know, like a housing deed, you know, what, what are the three things that you dream of running on Cardano? So I dream big, huh? So you better hold on to your shirt now, huh? <laughs> so uh, the, the hard blood of any enterprise, regardless of the size, is their ERP system. So that means that's where basically you have all of your records of, of, of transactions and all of your business data, and that's where you are reporting into the RIS and so on, right? And some of the largest in the world is uh, SAP, Oracle Financial Systems, and so on. Um, I would love that the majority of all ERP systems, they run on a public permissions that blockchain who's called Cardano. And not because um, we force them to do so, because it makes so much more sense. And this will disrupt multiple industries downstream, but it will create so much value and so much trust in the ecosystems around uh, supply chain, around trade, around manufacturing, and around IoT and so forth. So that's the first thing I dream of. The second thing I dream of is that uh, the majority of uh, nation states who has some form of democratic voting, um, that they basically base their voting systems, and I say voting systems with an S, because I do believe there must be multiple different voting systems um, on a public permissionless blockchain such as Cardano, and they start to play around with um, what does meaningful participation really look like in a democracy around a nation state. So uh, equal participation, for instance, what does that really mean? Liquid democracy, uh, preferential voting, some of those you know, things which has not been possible before. And I really hope that by doing that, we will change the leaders of our countries and our big corporations, and we will change some of the decisions, and we will come much closer as humanity, as being much more united against what, you know, what comes ahead. And if you read the reports from the World Economic Forum, uh, it's called the Global Risk Report. I really I give a shout out to that. That's a brilliant piece of work. It's one of the few reports I read every year. If you see the amount of disasters and things who's coming down on us, being that the global pandemic, being that, you know, uh, climate, etc., we really need to stand together. We need to have 8 billion brains standing together. We cannot have 8 billion separated brains who's fighting against each other. So I think this, this change in democracy would be amazing to have on Cardano. Um, Last but not least, um, I really hope that um, look at the macroeconomic cycles out there today. Unfortunately, I don't see that um, the American economy is not growing as fast as it could. Uh, and that means that there's other large economies who's growing even faster. And that brings instability around the world reserve currency, which is the dollar today. I really hope that the next um, world reserve currency will be one based on a public permissionless blockchain such as Cardano uh, and not one based on a centralized, uh, you know, stack where one country or a set of countries can take over control and dictate, uh, you know, all of the world's basically uh, export and import and macroeconomic situations, because this has a real impact all the way down to the single producer who lives in the farmhouse and is growing mangroves. Um, and I think that is, uh, sorry to say, that is unfair with yeah. where we are in society today. So that's my uh, three wishes. Huh? I, um, I never thought you'd come up with something that was more ambitious than uh, having a, a voting system on Cardano, you know, with, you know, different nation states, uh, you know, 
can what is that called again? I'm not I'm not very savvy, you know, with with the way businesses. You said EIP. So um, it's called an ERP system. So mm -hmm. basically, it's uh, it's it's quite boring, right? But in in in, in nearly every co company, you probably will start having that yourself. You have somewhere Excel spreadsheet or some system yeah. who allows you to basically see, you know, how much did I sell and how much did I have to buy of resources. You have salaries. You have mm -hmm. you know every single transaction has some metadata, right? Yeah. All that metadata you can use to say, okay, I'm selling more shoes in that know in that area and in this area or you're doing growth hacking so when i set up my web page it's a little bit more blue they buy more all of the information the financial information a company takes decision on today is running through these large large erp systems yeah. and they're not very interoperable and uh, they're not very transparent and if you start thinking about uh, you know the situations like COVID, right and let's talk a bit about more boring stuff. So fiscal and monetary policy, right? So it'd be great if you could be as a, as a as a small business, you could press one button and then the government has a set of data which they can trust, which is per definition audited. And then you can get access to the help package on exactly what you say deserve based on whatever fiscal policy they issue, right? Instantly instantly it, right and then verifiable. when the when the pandemic or whatever is over you click on another button right and then they ha don't have this access anymore and even better if you think about zero knowledge proof and so on they don't even have the data they just have the green bar coming up saying this is the number and they can trust the system so uh, there's so many multiple use cases around actually looking at how businesses are operating today and what is their reporting needs and so on it's really it's really the hard block of what I would think about a financial operating system can do. That then has to match this social operating system is where we have all the voting and the fact that we have to go, in my view, away from measuring you know, uh, success on economic factors and more of impact. You know, what does social growth really look like? Those things has to kind of, they have to merge together. And to do that, we need some of that fundamental infrastructure which people don't really pay so much attention to today we need to upgrade that massively um, yeah it's a bit boring though you know to focus on upgrading that when we can uh trade jpegs on the internet um does, the, Car does, yeah. does the cardano <laughs> foundation go for catalyst funding or will they um so if i have my way we will yeah um we will not do that uh because um, let me say it differently. When I look into the crystal ball and I look at where the Cardano Foundation is coming from and where we're going and also where the maturity of the ecosystem but also the Cardano technical roadmap, I think there will come a time where we would need to understand based on the community how important is it that we do this. So let's imagine... Um, that you're running an operating model on, yeah, let's just call about selling JPEGs, right? And uh, there's a piece of infrastructure which is so important that this is being built, but nobody is lifting that in the ecosystem. If the Cardano Foundation then says, okay, we actually, we are unsure it doesn't fit our strategy, uh, or we are saying, you know, it's it was not on our roadmap, um, but we know we can manage it, uh, but we need to understand, you know, what does this ecosystem say about that? And this would be a good way to actually ask the voters, how important is that for you? And 
if it then would be something which you have to maintain for let's say 10 20 years i think it would also be extremely important for us to understand what does that mean when the Cardano foundation actually don't have any income streams uh, other than uh, staking as we do today yeah. so i think there's many good reasons for the Cardano foundation to to ask a catalyst uh, for a grant um but money would be the secondary to say the secondary objective the first will be actually to to align with the community and and really put some thoughts behind that because there is this notion today that the one who has the you know the biggest twitter account or the one who has the most followers or the one who has the largest youtube channel they seem to sometimes represent the community which they do but there's a lot of silence uh builder and architects out there and they don't necessarily go on social media and say what they want or don't want but they certainly pick up catalyst and they certainly cast their vote so i think one of the things about catalyst which is important is really getting that meaningful participation around also guidance on where should the cardano foundation go uh, for a certain you know product or a certain project or a certain thing so i think a part of validation and, and direction that could help us a lot in the future thank you for that response and you know your response actually prompted me uh, with another question recently uh, there were a lot of in my opinion uh, good projects uh, that didn't get funded uh, and in my opinion once again they didn't get funded because they didn't have marketing you know um, what what is your advice for those builders those good projects that don't have a social media platform that don't really have you know marketing but are building infrastructure that will benefit cardano long term yeah so um, I don't know if you've seen, but we just recently changed our delegation uh, methodology. I did. And the largest change uh, is that we went away from a fully randomized uh, support towards decentralization due to, you know, uh, we wanted to have a distributed decentralized block production as fast as possible. And we see now that the K factor is 500 and we don't have the power to change that, right? Um, and um, we have 3,400 stake pool operators. So what we thought was really important was that we started to support the, the builders. And I think there's a lot of silent builders out there. So we actually created a, a form where the silent builders, they can contact us. And, you know, so we, we have a look at what they're actually doing. And that gives us an opportunity to uh, put them on a, on a curated list. And then there's a little bit of randomization in it, just from, a, let's say, an independence and oversight, which allows us basically to, uh, to give them a, a, I think you call it a golden ticket in the community, but basically allow us to do a delegation to them um, as a stake pool. It does require, however, that they have a stake pool. So that's the first move we are doing. Uh, we want to get more eyes and get more in contact with all the silent builders. Uh, the other part is if, if somebody... I mean, I don't have a lot of marketing resources currently. I'm, I am scaling that up as well. But um, if somebody actually, um, say, didn't get or didn't feel they had enough uh, visibility on the project, uh, they can feel free to reach out to the foundation. And, we're, you know, we're, we're not the fastest in getting back to everybody, but we are trying to help people um, with what is their options. And the Cardano ecosystem actually have a lot of options for funding. Um, so there is uh, the C fund, there's the two new funds from Imurgo. Uh There is a couple of uh, um, um, kickstart platforms. There is uh, IOG, there's the Cardano Foundation, and then there is Catalyst. And I do yeah. think that Catalyst is, say, should be the main source of funding for, I call it uh, sexy projects, right? So projects who create a lot of excitement that's very clear and can create value now and here. 
but uh, there's a lot of other opportunities also for for you know getting some help either on the marketing strategy or funding or other parts from yeah. other players in the ecosystem. Yeah, I actually saw uh, CC Wallet was one of those projects that didn't get funded that I that I really support. It's uh, in my opinion the best wallet on Cardano. And quickly after that, two weeks later, uh, they released their own project, an NFT project. And it's uh, you know they they worked with an artist and and that's their funding model because of Catalyst that it didn't work, but they know that a lot of NFT holders use the wallet. They released that project instead, and and it's been about a day and a half now, and they've already raised over twenty thousand ADA. You know, which was, it's going to be more than they were asking for in Catalyst, I'm pretty sure. But uh, to close out this question, uh, I want to say it was about a month ago, I was watching a Charles AMA, and we touched on it a little bit, but I did want to get to this question. He mentioned that the Cardano Foundation is sitting on a big pile of money, and they need to spend it. Uh, one, what do you think prompted him to say that? And two, you know, are you guys planning on spending some ADA? And we, we did talk about that a little bit with the IT team. So I, I honestly don't know why he said that. Um, so I, I think that's a question for Charles, right? Um, so we are, we as an entity has chosen to have all of our ADA, uh, you know, visible on the blockchain, the community yeah. know the addresses. We have a, a, a very small part which is with some brokers, which allows us a little bit of flexibility for, for, uh, for being a bit faster, right? But the majority is really, as you as you know, is is fully visible. So I think the community knows when we are doing something and when we aren't, and we are very visible around that. Uh, as uh, Charles, I think, also said in in the same podcast, right? Uh, he alluded to that we are now um, approved a much larger uh, budget. So it's uh, it's actually five, it's about fivefold bigger. So it's quite large, and we are soon come up with a bit more information around what that actually means. Uh, because we are actually intending on doing everything we can specifically in this period right now to ensure uh, the augmentation of IOG to, that we can really get uh, adoption online, that we can get clarity online and we can get stable infrastructure who connects to the beautiful Cardano blockchain, but also that we can get much more learning out of Voltaire and so on. So we are most certainly planning on uh, being a lot more active uh, on the spending, but we want to ensure that we also get some accountability for what we do and that's also why i said before that we will also use catalyst and other functions where we ensure that we we can get some accountability around you know not just the you know is it is it the right way to go and so forth but also that when we do spend that, that people know we've done everything we can um to be independent um to choose things who actually uh, fits our strategy uh, and has maximum impact on the long term for the cardano blockchain well, I really appreciate your response, um, and I also appreciate you coming on this podcast and, and, and educating the community about the Cardano Foundation and uh, you know their role and, and, and where they're going to be in the next few years and the value add. Uh, is there anything that you want to say before we head off here for today? Uh, I said it a few times bef before, but I, I really want to emphasize one thing, and that is we are just getting started. We have had smart contracts for you know not even two months, huh? Um, you have not seen anything yet of what can actually live, breathe on Cardano, and you have not seen anything yet in terms of the impact the Cardano blockchain can do on the spaceship we call Earth. So let's ensure that the world is decentralized and circular. Let's ensure that we can get as much brain power as possible to the architects of the future, and, uh, and let's fix these problems. 
Amen to that. I feel that Cardano is just getting started. And even though Bloom has been around for more than a year, it still feels that we're just getting started as well. So again, thank you so much for coming on. And to anybody watching this, I appreciate you clicking on this video today. And I hope you have a good rest of your week. Hello, you made it till the end of the video. I really appreciate it so much. You staying till the end of the video is the best thing you can do to support this channel. Also liking the video clicking subscribe, clicking the notification bell. It really does support the channel and I appreciate you doing that. Also delegating to Bloom Pool. Bloom, my stake pool actually minted the eighth block on the Cardano blockchain. We've been here from the beginning. We'll be here till your end because Cardano will live past us all. I hope you guys all have a good week. Thank you so much.